Welcome back to the Acme Packing Company. I love gold podcast. I am Tyler Brooke, joined alongside Chris Burke with his brand new microphone. Chris, how you doing? I am fantastic. Uh, I feel like I'm, you know, ready to play some play the hits, you know, kind of a type thing here with this thing. Uh, highly recommend if you're into podcasting, you know, they're not that expensive. It's not a professional one and it sounds fantastic. What's your, uh, you know, now that you got a microphone, what's your go-to karaoke song? Oh boy. Um, oh man. When was the last time I did? Um, you know, this is going to sound awfully cliche, but I actually did never going to give you up. I would actually Rick roll the bar singing that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm aging myself a little bit. That was like 2005 when that was still kind of a thing, but yeah, we'd always, we'd always Rick roll the bar, you know, and sing it or play it if we could, you know, take over the jukebox. I kind of respect that. I'm usually going with <laughs> some kind of song from the killers, you know, you know, obviously Mr. Brightside always gets the bar going. Um, oh yeah. We all would also play. Um, we'd also would some, like if I like it, we'd also would play, you know, keeping in mind I'm in Northern Wisconsin here, we would play yakety sax. Everybody's oh, like, who gosh. turned that on? But it would, you know, <laughs> we'd, we'd always have some fun with that. I, I appreciate that. Well, let's go ahead and get into things. Uh, it was a pretty slow news day today, huh? You know, we're recording this on Monday night. Uh, nothing quite like working and seeing on Twitter that not only is the defensive coordinator out on the COVID protocols, uh, but Devonte Adams, star wide receiver, is unlikely to play on Thursday's game. Uh, he has tested positive. He is vaccinated. Uh, he is unlikely to play on Thursday. You know, just just some great A plus news to hear on a Monday. Yeah, you know, utterly fantastic to see that. Uh... You know, after a win going into the biggest game of the year, you know, where the NFC number one seed in theory could come down to um, nothing else. So, you know, I was I was at work today sitting in a meeting and whenever we breaking news goes off in our slack, I get an alert. Um, now I have an Apple watch. So all of a sudden I look at my watch and all I see is the ping. I don't know what the link is, but I just see a bunch of F words from text our editor. And I'm like, that's not good. I thought maybe Rogers blew out his ACL or something, but uh, still pretty bad news. Um, not what you obviously that's horrible timing going into the biggest game of the year, but uh, it's the world we live in. So um, I, up. I have a similar story to that actually uh, back at my previous job. I don't know if I've told this on the pod before, um, but uh, the news when Jordy Nelson got released, got broken uh, while I was in a meeting girl on my team was a diehard Packers fan. And I broke it to her right after the meeting ended. She started crying and it was extremely awkward. Um, oh man. But back to the Devonte Adam news that, you know, obviously stinks. He's been such a focal part of the offense, a little positive spin zone though. Uh, surprisingly in the Matt LaFleur era, uh, the Packers are six and zero when Devonte Adams does not suit up. And I don't know what that is. Do you think that's just a product of, adaptation defense is not knowing to prepare for like because they're scoring like I think it's something like 32 points a game in those games yeah I think it's you know what it does is is it forces Aaron Rodgers to spread the ball around a little more right um he's not forcing the ball to Devontae Adams I mean as we've seen all year the targets are very heavily thrown in number 17's direction I mean I get it why not he's your you know the best receiver in the league but what it seems to do is Rodgers tends to go through I don't know if he goes through his progressions a little I want to say more thorough, you know, I want to say quicker, or he's, he's seeing more um, also enables Matt LaFleur to get a little more creative, maybe open the playbook up actually, which might sound kind of weird without your best receiver, but you know, the, there's always that one game, you know, they had the Robert Tunyon game, they had the Aaron Jones game, 
Um, you know, there's always that one guy after when he's out, there's always that one person that features. And I really, I'm going to make a prediction here before we even go into that. I'm going to say this might be the Equinemius St. Brown game coming up against Arizona. Oh my. I don't know. I just call it, call it a feeling if I'm wrong, you know, I feel free to throw the ratio on me on, on Twitter, but uh, I just call it a feeling right now. Cause I, that little handoff they did in, against Washington to, ESB, I was like, oh, that's kind of a that's kind of a neat wrinkle. And I think, you know, they still like St. Brown. So I think there could be something in store. But again, I think it's going to force Rodgers to move the ball around, diversify the playbook a little bit. Um, might see some more of Aaron Jones even out wide. We've seen that. Um, not saying, you know, they can win long term without Adams. You obviously want your best receiver, but they they can overcome this, um, I'm sure. The other one, too, that's going to be interesting is not having Joe Barry. Again, another one that's just unlikely to suit up. He's going to be obviously heavily involved virtually in the game plan and everything like that. Uh, but, you know, how much of an impact do you think that has on game day? Because despite all the injuries and everything, it feels like the defense has been playing, you know, significantly better than expected. Do you think someone else, you know, managing the game on Thursday night, you know, has that big of an impact? You know, I, I think it might, because you're going up against a very unique offense with the air raid offense that Cliff Kingsbury runs in Arizona with Kyler Murray. I think that's going to have some kind of an impact, but you know, that, you know, in terms of Arizona, looking at green Bay's tendencies, you know, I'm going to presume maybe it's going to be Jerry gray as the defensive play caller. Not entirely sure. Um, I think that, you know, that could, that could actually work in green Bay's advantage because if they're studying Barry's tendencies, Gary or uh, Jerry Gray could go completely in a different direction and throw that all off. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see, um, you know, as a one-off type thing, that would be the way to go. But I mean, I, Barry's done a, actually a, overall, you know, as much as people still want to beg on him, he's done a good job and they're going to miss him. But uh, this actually could work out in Green Bay's advantage, crazy as it might sound. Yeah, I actually like that point about tendencies and things like that. The only thing I can see where it goes wrong is when, you know, shit hits the fan, right? Um, you know, you can have a, everyone has a game plan until they get punched in the mouth. So my question is, you know, if things go sour, how do you adjust from there? Um, so something, another thing to keep an eye on, obviously, those are two huge potential absences. Uh, again, the rule, since they are both vaccinated, uh, they need consecutive days of negative COVID tests. So again, just because it's on a Thursday, highly unlikely might've been, a, you know, up in the air if it was a Sunday game, um, you know, bright spot again, just at least, you know, if it happens this week, since they are both vaccinated, you can hope that they are back, you know, at least after just this game, but, you know, we'll be talking about a lot about that. I'm sure leading into Thursday. Uh, let's take a deep breath. It was, uh, it's been a crazy Monday and it feels like we're just kind of overlooking, uh, another solid win on Sunday might've been a little weirder. It doesn't seem like the Packers have played many normal games this year. Um, but you know, obviously went over the Washington football team, moved to six and one, uh, it actually felt like one of those, finally, one of those better games from Aaron Rodgers on the year. Yeah. I mean, accurate, um, moving the ball around, staying from the pocket, not getting too crazy, extending plays. Um, he was actually, he was pro football focuses, number one rated player on offense. No surprise there. Um, but it's just, he, he managed the game. Um, you know, that, that throw to that first touchdown to Adams was just a, 
I tweet it out every time they do it now with a trademark emoji. It's like taking candy from a baby, but I mean, throwing across his body, which, you know, is normally a no-no when you're teaching quarterbacks, but it just shows just how good of a chemistry those two have and just how good of a throw of the football um, Mr. Rogers is. It was, uh, yeah, I think the deep ball looked a little bit better. That was nice to see. Uh, just a lot of really nice plays. Uh, you know, the one thing that didn't stand out to me is how balanced the passing attack was. You know, a bunch of guys got, you know, a handful of targets instead of get essentially force-feeding 20 targets to Adams. You know, you saw plays from Adams, Cobb, Lazard. Uh, Tunyon finally stepped up. I mean, Mercedes Lewis had some catches. So, you know, it's it's taken a while. Even Paul Noonan, uh, you know, a co- our colleague at Acme Packing Company, you know, wrote about this just heavy workload for Adams and if it was sustainable. Um, it was nice to see. And I think that's something that is very encouraging. If Adams misses Thursday's game is knowing that it is possible to, you know, share the sugar. Yeah. That's, you know, that's really what you got to see, right? They can't be too reliant on, on one guy. Cause we saw what happened initially when, you know, Aaron Rodgers lost Jordy Nelson in 2015, not a horrible year, but not his, not a good year by his standards. And, you know, as we talked about with the record six and zero without Devontae, that's a sign of a good offense. That is not to diminish Devontae Adams off value to the offense whatsoever, but it's more about, you know, just keeping, keeping things rolling, not, you know, getting too far off, you know, too far off rhythm, uh, staying within the structure of the offense. It's a, um, they're, they're going to, I think they're going to be fine, but, uh, you obviously with the game, much more the wealth was spread out much more easily which that's kind of the more the way we kind of saw the passing attack going forward you know they still don't have that deep threat without mvs in there but uh a much more diverse passing game which uh that's going to be much more sustainable as great as the passing game was obviously the rushing attack was a concern um, you know, you had a combined nine carries for 25 yards from Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Uh, your second and third highest rushers were Aaron Rodgers and Equinemia St. Brown. Uh, just, I'm, I'm wondering, do you feel like it was a game plan issue or just that they completely abandoned it? Uh, you know, what do you think the reason is for the rushing running game being so, you know, not great? Well, I mean, Washington's actually fairly decent against the run, right? I mean, they're not, that's the one area, you know, I kind of asked that earlier, you know, in our Slack chat, I asked, you know, do we think this is, why is, you know, Aaron Jones not being used as much? Because it just kind of seems like he hasn't quite gotten going all year. Um, But it really was kind of more of a personnel choice um, against the, uh, against, I keep wanting to say their old name, excuse me, against the Washington football team. Uh, It's, you know, they've been using him more in the passing game a little bit, yes, but he's also been, you know, they've got a very weak interior of the offensive line right now until they can get Elton Jenkins back inside when Bakhtiari returns. So I think some of it might just have to do with the lack of faith in the offensive line. Um, but you're also seeing a lot more heavy personnel usage with Tunyon and, you know, Mercedes Lewis is almost another offensive lineman really with his blocking. But, uh, you know, I, I think you're – I think it's got more to do with the lack of confidence in the interior offensive line. Cause there's really, I mean, we've, we've talked about Newman's struggles, John Runyon jr. Really thought he might be the answer. He hasn't looked so great. 
Um, and then Lucas Patrick too, filling in for Josh Myers, uh, just that center, that center three of the line, I think is what's affecting that. So hopefully that can get corrected going forward once Bakhtiari returns, but yeah, definitely on the uh, watch list. I'm optimistic about the running game. I mean, look, they're still averaging over a hundred yards per game. They've had some really explosive runs uh, already this season. So, you know, there is still potential there. Uh, I agree to your point. And when you are facing you know, four first round picks on a defensive line, it's a little bit hard to establish the run. Um, let's go ahead and flip sides talking about the defense. Uh, this might've been the most textbook example I have ever watched of a defense bending and not breaking, uh, 400 yards allowed or over 400 yards allowed with only 10 points to show for it. Um, I think this is only the second time in Packers history this happened. I believe the other one was a Rams game about 10 years ago. I should probably look up the stat, but you know, my Wi-Fi is spotty. Want to make sure I can keep the zoom going. Yeah, I think, you know, that with that, um, you know, when you watch initially, if you watch the condensed game, like I was, I'm sitting at work that day. So I just watched the highlights and I'm like, how I'm seeing all these Washington highlights and, you know, Heineke running, running like a madman. I'm like, how did they only score 10 points here again? But uh, they definitely, that was like textbook, like you said, Ben, but don't break. Um, Pass rush got through at opportune times. They got stops when they needed. Kind of almost, I wonder if that's kind of a textbook Green Bay defensive game, just considering how beat up they are in the secondary right now. I mean, I'll take, I would take that, you know, the points are what matter at the end of the day, not so much the yardage. It's not going to look good on a stat sheet and in terms of rankings, but, you know, that obviously the scoreboard is what matters at the end of the day and they got the job done. Yeah. I mean, it, it was crazy how many turnover opportunities they have. I had, I believe it was like four forced fumbles and an interception. And yet they only recovered one of those forced fumbles, which is kind of amazing. Honestly, I don't know how that happens. It's just kind of that example of, you know, just the way the ball bounces. Uh, but I really liked seeing that. And to your credit, you know, obviously nice seeing pressure. I think it was the second straight game. The Packers have put pressure on the opposing quarterback more than 40% of dropbacks, but man, um, it is hard watching a guy like Taylor Heineke, you know, a virtual nobody that's been starting. Uh, run all over you that is that is very concerning when you are beginning to prep for one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the league and Kyler Murray yeah we're kind of at that point after seeing that I that was immediately my first thought I'm like we're not in for another Colin Kaepernick game are we because I've I've still got flashback flashbacks of that game um that that I just don't understand how the middle of the defense was open that far because I'm He's not exactly your most, he's, I mean, he's not a statue in the pocket, but he's definitely not, you know, your most mobile quarterback. So I thought that was really weird. I'm like, how are they letting that happen? The whole middle of the defense was open. You know, that might just be a lack of secondary depth. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, definitely a warning sign there. I just looked up the box score for it. I I just realized I had not even looked Uh, 10 carries for Taylor Heineke, 95 yards. (laughs) Oh man, that's bad. Uh, that so that's is 9.5 yards per carry. You don't have to be for a quarterback. That's um, the oof size of that is very large. That is a, that is a large oof. And it's not, it's against a relatively not very, you know, usually mobile quarterback. So not something you want to see uh, on the bright side though. Uh, I think we can elevate the conversation now. Uh, we're no longer campaigning for Devontae Campbell to get a pro bowl. Uh, I think it is time to begin the Devondre Campbell is an all pro conversation. 
Oh yeah. I mean, what, what else can we say about him that hasn't been already been said? I mean, this, we kept saying, you know, it's, oh, it's nice to have a competent inside linebacker. This is beyond competence. This is really good. Um, Diamond in the rough signing by Gudekunst for sure. Um, Reliable tackler. I mean, he's always, he's always around the ball. I mean, you, what else do you more do you want of an inside linebacker? I mean, if AJ Hawk is our gold standard, I mean, even Devondre, even his helmet is staying in place. It's just been a, uh, uh, he's just been a wonderful addition. I, you know, I mean, what else can we say? All pro for sure. Definitely. That play he made on the goal line stop where he punched the ball out as Heineke was diving for it is just, that really exemplifies just how does he keep making all these insane plays? It does not matter if he's defending against the run or if he's dropping back in coverage, Uh, he's just making plays all over the field and he's really stuffing the stat sheet now, which I know, you know, people who don't watch the Packers who do have these votes, uh, that's going to matter to them. So a plus job by that man. Uh, and I think to your credit, yeah, a plus signing by Gutekunst. It really might be the best signing he's made in his tenure as general manager. Bold. I like that. Um, I mean, Zadarius Smith, I think might've been, you know, I think, I think warrants some consideration there, but, uh, I'm just going from yeah. like a dollar for dollar standpoint when you're talking about a oh, two yeah. million I mean, in, ter- you know? in terms of, in terms of bang for your buck, no doubt in terms of value, no doubt. Um, it, uh, it, I mean, I, I'm like, so this is what good inside linebacker play looks like, huh? I'm like, I've learned something today. It's just, uh, something we're not used to seeing, but God, you know, it just proves you throw, you'll hit on it eventually. If you just keep going to the well. You know how hard it is draft scouting. You know, I try to scout for the draft every year. And then when it gets to like evaluating inside linebackers, there have been years where like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be looking at because I'm not used to, you know, when someone's supposed to be good. I do vividly remember watching Roquan Smith and being like, oh, that's what a good linebacker looks like. And then um, Chicago drafted him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you, I will say this, you know, Bears fans are miserable and obviously they got a fire pace in Nagy. Every once in a while, I look at a pick that Ryan Pace made. I'm like, it's a pretty good pick. And then I remember they drafted Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> uh, last note I had on the game, uh, thought the secondary played really well. You know, when you're considering you're losing your top two uh, cornerbacks, Savage is, uh, you know, in, coming out of concussion protocol. Um, you're running out there with a shell of a unit. And for them to continue playing as tough as they have, you know, all the credit in the world to those guys. Yeah, I mean, they we knew they were going to key on McLaurin and they were going to test everybody. Stokes had, you know, I keep watching Eric Stokes mainly because he's going to be the future. And really with this lineup, even without Kevin King, he really is the, you know, if we're going to use the term, we're, we're going to use the depth chart term here. He really is CB1 right now. A um, little bit of an inconsistent performance, but I mean, again, he's, he I, McLaurin was targeted quite a bit, uh, made some plays, but I thought Stokes more than held his own. Um, that's really kind of when we're looking at the secondary depth at this point, he's really the one I think we should be keying on. I mean, what, what did you think of how Stokes did? It's something I want to emphasize every time we talk about Stokes uh, because the casual fan may not fully understand it. Uh, the development for cornerbacks as rookies is so freaking hard. You are going from some of the easiest one-on-one matchups in college. Cause you know, you're physically talented. You can outbody everyone. You're fine. And then you're going against guys like Terry McLaurin, Jamar chase, you know, who else has he gone against already this year? You know, you can name a handful of other players, but to go out there and maybe take some lumps, but keep at it, play aggressive. He had a big fourth down stop this week. 
Uh, it's a testament to how well he's playing. He has incredible speed. Uh, the lateral agility is what's really surprising me. He tested extremely poorly on the, you know, 20 yard shuttle, um, you know, four cornerbacks. So for him to be able to move like he has been awesome. And then I just love the aggressive mentality. Uh, he attacks downhill, He does whiff on some tackles, but you like the mentality there. Um, you need that alpha mentality at that position. So, you know, those are the signs that I'm seeing from Stokes uh, have me beyond excited. I think he, once Jair is healthy, that cornerback duo, you know, over, as long as Jair gets extension, uh, could be one of the deadliest duos uh, in the league. And I don't think oh. that's hyperbole to say. Oh, absolutely not. Um, you know, at that point, you know, it's the same standard we kind of had for Jair when he was a rookie, right? We just, as long as we're not hearing their name on the broadcast, you know, we're, you're okay. Um, and if they're not, th- if they're not throwing at you even better, that's, that's the ultimate sign of respect is now when they're testing you and you're breaking it up, it's they're not throwing towards you. Uh, there is no better compliment for a cornerback. And I think Stokes is going to warrant that, especially with uh, when, when Alexander's back, you know, they're going to try to start testing Stokes a little bit. And I wouldn't be surprised if he got himself some balls, um, some interceptions for phrasing. Um, oh no, we're taking know, that one out of con. Uh, we're taking that one out of context for the Twitter again too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, we we got some Archer fans on staff, so everybody will get that reference. But uh, phrasing, I he'll he'll get some. Uh, he's going to get his chance. But I mean, that that's going to be a great duo. I mean, he's been competent being thrown into the fire like that. I mean, he's he's been solid. He's he's not a liability, which is really all you want from a rookie at that point. Well, all in all, you know, it was a weird game, but somewhat stress free. Six and one. Let's take a quick little break uh, and get into some segments. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back going into uh, some segments, our recurring segments, starting with, you know, the Gold Zone updates. Uh, Not as exciting as we thought it would be after last year's incredible start. Uh, we'll start with the offense. Uh, only two for four on Sunday moves them to 22nd in the league at 57.14%. I'm going to be honest, didn't feel like they only went two for four in the red zone. Yeah, it really, it really didn't. Um, it's probably, I don't know if it's because they were, you know, they didn't get as many possessions. I don't know if it was just the lack of possessions at the beginning or what it seemed like, but it seemed like they were a little better off than that. But, uh, you know, you end up with two touchdowns and then a, or you got three touch. you know, there were two for four and then they had the field goal, but uh, it wasn't, 
you know, it really was kind of a weird, that number doesn't make sense. I mean, it, the number is obviously what it is, but you know, it's, uh, you know, it feels like they, they were, they did better than that. It says, but I mean, again, weird game. Yeah. It just happens like that. Sometimes I'm still convinced, you know, you're about halfway through the season, but there's plenty of time to bump that number up. It's relatively tight in these like middling groups. So, you know, plenty of time, but you know, we have the gold zone updates this week. You know, we wanted to focus on the big one. Uh, the streak is over. I repeat, the streak is over. Uh, after allowing a touchdown on 100% of red zone drives, the defense went zero for four in a good way. They had four red zone trips and came away with only three points allowed, which is an absolutely incredible, you know, regression to the mean. Uh, just, you know, a little clap. I'll just give them a little. Yeah, I was thinking we could cue the uh, cue the hallelujah chorus a little bit there, but uh, I mean I, that we knew that streak was going to change. Um, just statistically, you can't maintain that. Uh, but uh, oh, I mean, not only that, but how good the goal line defense was. We talked about Campbell knocking out the ball of Heineke, and then uh, Rashawn Gary made a key stuff in there as well. Just how solid they were, not just within the twenty, but at the goal line. I don't know what Joe Barry changed, but uh, more please. <laughs> uh man it felt good uh you know obviously one of those four trips should have absolutely counted a touchdown i have no problem saying it, that heineke dive into the end zone should have 100 counted as a touchdown i don't know how the ruling of giving yourself up counts when you're diving literally into the end zone with no one around you he did not give himself up i think that's ridiculous I do have a counter take for you, by the way. Um, you know, Justice and Tex were all pissed about the Lambeau leap. I I didn't mind it. <laughs> I know he grew up a Packers fan. If how how can you not Lambeau leap if you get a touchdown in Green Bay? Like obviously you didn't end up getting the touchdown, but I was kind of okay with it at the time. Yeah, I mean, you know, we gotta. I that's definitely not as hard set as you know. Obviously, if a Viking or a Bear player did that, we'd be oh yeah roasting them over open fire, but uh, we knew you got to know the context of it. He grew up a Packer fan. He's wearing Favre's number for crying out loud. I'm more than okay with that. I mean, for, by all accounts, he seems like a good kid. Um, I'm, I'm okay with that. When you think about his journey to the NFL too, like this guy was not supposed to be starting NFL games. So, you know, not only to grow up being a Packers fan, uh, you know, he literally at halftime went to go talk and like hug Aaron Rodgers. I'm like, dude, the game's not over yet. But he's like fangirling at Lambeau. Uh, I kind of loved it, especially I do appreciate, you know, he did the classy thing. He did try to find the Washington fan in the crowd to jump on, not jump into a crowd of Packers fans. Um, that's just my hot take. You know, Justin's text will probably get mad. Uh, maybe I'll get fired because those are the corporate overlords. Uh, so we'll see. Fingers crossed on that one. Uh, if I get reprimanded, you may hear me next week retract my statement. So well, we... they, or they'll just cut off your audio feed altogether, and I'll be talking to myself for the next hour into the <laughs> abyss. But uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see there. Let's go ahead and get into my favorite segment of the week. It is panning for gold, our Packers positives. Um, I'm not going to lie. I have thought about changing my answer. Uh, a couple times, and I'm going to. You know what? I had previously written down Rasul Douglas. I wanted to mention Shandon Sullivan. Uh, I'm going to change my answer completely. We're going off script. I am going with Rashawn Gary this week. The more I've thought about it, the dude had 10 pressures this week. And, you know, we always he always gets criticized for being this linear athlete, right? This linear pass rusher runs in a straight line. 
10 pressures is nothing to sneeze at, man. Couple sacks. Uh, he's really starting to turn it on. And with the injuries to Sedarius and Preston, uh, he's turning on at the right time. So, you know, he, I think he more than deserves a little tip of the cap. Oh, absolutely. And uh, shameless plug alert. Um, I wrote about him today for Acme Packing Company. Um, total number of, I'm trying to pull up. I want to say it was, an, he had, I believe he had 19 pressures last year. I think he's up to like 13 or 14 this year already. I mean, just, the man is a the man is a wrecking ball, um, and he's getting home. He had two sacks. Um, let's see here, pal. Let's uh, do, 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 do. why can't I find that? Fourteen pressures already for the year. Three and three again the game against. Uh, I'm going off P, uh, PF refs. Uh, oh, PFR. Website, yeah, but, uh, they they do yeah. calculate them differently because yeah, I was seeing ten on Pro Football Focus, but yeah, them and PFR do it differently. Yeah, so I'm going. I mean, either regardless um phenomenal performance uh he's he has he Rashawn Gary has arrived I actually had him initially on my list before I changed so uh well played there so I mean there's a lot we could have gone with is what is a long story short of this yeah despite Uh, it being such a weird game you know there were still plenty of positive takeaways but I mean we need to stop this if any we need to I don't know why it was even still going on this year but we need to stop the Rashawn Gary is a bust bs um phenomenal player he's getting his chance i mean he had a 9.95 relative athletic score um it's i mean you can't get any more perfect than that the man the guy is a freak athlete he was dealing with a shoulder injury in michigan which i clearly i'm thinking carried over to his rookie year but you also had the smith brothers breakout party that year but uh i mean man he's he's come into his own and when you get the smiths back and if you can work in either whitney merciless or jalen smith into that rotation whoo I don't, uh, there is no better, nothing ail, nothing cures a uh, wounded secondary's ails like a quality pass rush. And uh, the Packers, by all accounts, have one. Yeah. Uh, and also, shout out to Whitley Merciless. It was cool seeing him getting some reps. He actually got pretty significant run. Uh, and you did see a couple of pressures there. He was so close to a sack, which would have just been so perfect in your debut. Um, I'm pretty sure, I can't remember correctly, it ended up being a huge explosive play by Washington instead, which was unfortunate. Uh, but nice seeing him out there. You know, again, once you get some guys healthy, it'll be a nice little pass rush mix. So looking forward to that. Uh, but Chris, what is your positive this week? I am going with the big dog, Mercedes Lewis. Uh, ooh, 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 ooh. What else? <laughs> what else can you? I mean, the man is an ageless wonder. Um, Aaron Rodgers loves him for what he brings to the locker room, but on the field, uh, he has just been uh, wow. Uh, he's had at least two receptions in the last couple of games. I think he's had a catch in all, but uh, he's had he's had at least one catch in every in the last uh, four contests. Um, hasn't gotten into the end zone yet, but um, Rodgers is looking his way, you know, and even when he's not catching the ball in line blocking, I mean, you can't have, you know, for, for Robert Tunyon still developing as a blocker, you cannot get a better role model than Mercedes Lewis, consummate professional, not flashy, um, just a wonderful addition, probably one of my most underrated Packer players on there that that offense and that team is not what they are without Mercedes Lewis. And I don't want to pretend to speak for him. Aaron Rodgers, but I think number 12 might agree with that. I really can't add much to what you said. It, it's been another one of those sneaky signings that has just paid off dividends, not just for his on-field play, but that locker room presence. Um, he's one of those guys when I think about his entire career, because even I remember vividly him in Jacksonville going like, that's a damn good tight end. 
he's one of those guys, him, Cobb, Devontae, Rogers. You know, you can obviously name a bunch, but you know, someone you want to get a ring. So would love to see that. Fingers crossed on, you know, all of that. But you know, obviously love Packers positives. Uh moving forward, if you have some and want to send them to us, I will start asking these on a weekly basis. Maybe we can get some uh, you know, some listener picks. Uh so you know, if you're tuning if you're tuning in right now uh for next week, uh be sure to tweet at me or Chris. Uh, we will make sure to add it for next week. We'd love to get some, you know, audience uh, engagement on here. Um, don't have anything there. I do want to move on to news nugs. Um, I really thought about skipping news nugs, Chris. Uh, the COVID news really, you know, really put a damper on today. Yeah, it did. And um, not, I'm going to put on my tinfoil cheese head a little bit here. You know, the same news came out today about uh, Matt Nagy having COVID. The Bears have had some COVID issues. They played the Bears last week. I mean, maybe I'm putting I'm putting two and two together here and getting four. Um, not sure where the start. I mean, Green Bay could have given it to Chicago, but uh, that is a little worrisome. But uh, yeah, not uh, not great, Bob. Uh, I think there's enough of a way that we can pin this all on Matt Nagy. So we're gonna blame him. Uh, be stay tuned for my column this week where I connect all the dots and find a way to make naggy patient zero of all of COVID-19 and therefore, you know, the reason for everyone's problems. Uh, let's get into the serious news though. Um, we have updates obviously on three players. A lot of people are worried about um, David Bakhtiari is still practicing. Uh, Lafleur continues to keep it close to the vest as far as we're going to take it day by day, see what's going to happen with him. Uh, Chris, I do not think, I don't think he's playing. I think they're being patient with it. I think we see him next week. Yeah, I would, I would tend to agree if they had, um, you know, if somebody had gotten hurt yesterday, I think we would have seen a, a change on that, but I don't, I don't see him going this week. I would love to, especially against someone like Chandler Jones, but uh, yeah, I think, I think, I think we're at least another week away, you know, it gives him basically a mini buy and I think we'll see him in a week. Yeah. I, half, technically. With all the injuries, I'm just in my brain. I'm like, this is just a bye week. If they get a win it is absolutely massive. Uh, if they lose, it's fine. You know, got a lot of people hurt, a lot of things out of your control. Uh, I hope they're competitive, though. So fingers crossed on that. Uh, other updates, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, uh, still technically on injured reserve right now. Uh, LaFleur said he's hopeful that MVS will practice this week. Uh, to me, that says, you know, they, they've they been overly cautious, I feel like, with the hamstring issue, which I get, you know, those hamstrings can linger and for a deep threat. You don't want to push it feels an awful lot like if he if they feel comfortable with him going even if it's a slight risk it's one of those games where they may try and trot him out without adams being there because you need some kind of weapon yeah this is kind of like a uh it's a playoff game halfway through the season because you've only got that one bye week now um and this is the only of the teams in contention for that bye week um you've got green bay arizona and then dallas Arizona is the only one the Packers play, and then they're going to be relying on tiebreakers for the rest of them when, you know, you want to win the head-to-head. So uh, I think, you know, this is uh, – if they can get him to go with – you know, if he's about 80%, I think they're going to let him go. Fingers crossed on that. I've missed him out there. I was so convinced after this training camp that this was going to be the MVS breakout season. So it's been really disappointing because uh, he's been getting open deep too, you know, before he got hurt, which was really exciting to see. Um only other injury update we had is Preston Smith. Uh, it sounds like he's going to play on Thursday. Big reason for that being was that after Sunday's game, LaFleur praised Preston for being selfless, basically saying that they decided to be overly cautious and rest him and that he accepted that decision. 
that feels an awful lot like an admission that like he could have played on Sunday and that they just wanted to give him some extra time. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all had, we, we all had concerns about going on about Preston Smith going into the year, but uh, he has been the uh, consummate professional. He's had a solid year on the field, but um, by all accounts, he's just been a phenomenal um, stand-up guy with this whole process. So uh, props to Preston Smith. Uh, we all had him on the roster bubble, and I think he's actually very important again to the team now. So I think he's going to go Thursday, but um, yeah, tip of the hat to him. I'll, I'll take Lafleur's word on that one. I don't have any other injury updates, which is feels kind of good. <laughs> we'll see. I saw the injury report. It seemed relatively uh, minor compared to previous weeks. So, you know, short week, we'll see what happens. Uh, a lot of moving parts, but I will leave you now with gold rush. I did have a couple notes on here. Um, did you see the Shannon Sullivan story with the interception? Uh, I did not know. Um, educate me a wise one. <laughs> well, uh, it was actually his dad's first time to see him play in person in the NFL uh, on Sunday. And uh, so how perfect is that, that when your dad's in the stands, you get an interception. Uh, if you saw the broadcast immediately after he scored the interception, he literally ran behind the bench, gave the ball to someone was his dad. Uh, I absolutely, I eat this shit up. Uh, I always love seeing stuff like this. So, you know, that's football, man. You know, when you got a family member there, you're going to step your game up. It's just, it's perfect that he got that interception. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's, that's what, you know, they always say football is family and you think it's a cliche, but it definitely is. And I mean, we saw the stuff with Aaron Jones and his dad, um, before the season at the beginning of the year. So, uh, I'm, I'm glad for him. Glad he got to see that. Um, especially at Lambeau field. I mean, you can't, you cannot top that except maybe in a super bowl, but, uh, yeah, what that's good. That's good stuff. And another quick little shout out to Shane and Sullivan past couple of weeks, man, he has really stepped up. Uh, he's someone that showed flashes from time to time the past couple of years. So him stringing together two games, especially when he needs to step up has been absolutely awesome to see. Um, I had a little bit of a note about the sports books, polling the betting line for the Packers after the Devonte news, uh, you know, it, it settled down after I had written that, you know, it, I believe it's at six now, I think they're six point underdogs, but whatever, I'll leave you with one last one. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but Rogers almost pulled a Dan Orlovsky on Sunday um, with his back against the end zone. He, you know, threw it away, but he got pretty close and gave a little look. Um, Dan Orlovsky tweeted a picture of that and Rogers admitted. He said, as soon as I threw that ball, the first thing I thought of was Dan Orlovsky. <laughs> I mean that, you know, when you're an analyst and you're still going to be known for that, uh, <laughs> You know, that's why I see that. It's like, man, I feel bad for him because that's nobody's going to take him seriously because of that play. But uh, I got to say, Dan, Dan does do a good job. But uh, yeah, that's every time you see a quarterback rolling out in the end zone, that's going to come to mind. I'm sorry. Um, he, I like he knows the sense. Of, I mean, Dan's, Dan's a smart guy. The sense of humor you have about it, though, is, you know, you got to own up it, own it up at some point because it is an infamous play. But, you know, he seems like a good guy and, I, you know, not a bad analyst either. Um that is going to do it for us today, Chris, unless you have anything else. Uh, no, that's just really an obviously big game uh, coming up Thursday. Um, really don't want to say the NFC could come down to this, but the NFC could come down to this as far as home field. Um, you know, we, we all talked about it. You know, if I just to talk about Arizona briefly, we all thought that they were kind of, you know, we saw they're either going to be good or they're going to be a disaster with what Cliff Kingsbury wants to be on offense. It's been phenomenal. I've been very impressed. And Kyler Murray, who 
Um, I hope he has a longevity. I hope he has a long career because, you know, we've seen players like that. They get good for a couple of years and then they either get hurt or defensive coordinators start to figure them out. Um, but yeah, boy, that's, that is an incredible story to watch out there. Um, so I got to give a preemptive tip of the hat. Hopefully the Packers can keep it competitive. Um, I've got every doubt in my mind, Matt LaFleur will have them ready to go even without Devonte Adams six and zero without him. You know, that, that may work in green Bay's advantage. Cause then, you know, the defense is like, well, we don't know what they're going to do if they don't have 17, mm-hmm. you know, shrug emoji. And, you know, they, they may luck into that. So we'll have to see. Win, lose or draw. Packers fans take a deep breath. The team is six and one. The NFC North is a disaster and, you know, hope for the best. If there is a win on Thursday, that is absolutely massive uh, from Chris and myself. I love gold. Thanks everyone.